questions about any of those? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. Pretty close. Yeah, 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 yeah. David's true son, desire of 
Trouble. 
doesn't take heart You've been chosen to carry a son Give no heed to the trembling inside For the wonder has only begun Do not fear Do not fear The child you will hold is the Savior foretold drawing near Do not Shepherds look up and take heart See the glory of heaven burn bright Hear the anthem of joy and good news Hope is dawned in a stable
Once arrayed in highest splendor, now in poverty adorned. He is Jesus, God made mortal, word in flesh, the light of life. From a throne room to a stable, hope is born this holy
person to take their next steps toward Christ. For some of us, it might look like entering into a relationship with God. For others, it could look like joining a local church or being baptized or entering into a mentor relationship. Wherever each of us is, we want to invite all of us to take our next steps toward Christ. Well, my name is Alan. It is so awesome to join with you all in worship today. If you're a guest with us today, we want to extend a special welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining us, whether in person or online. We just, we're so glad that you're here. We would love to get to know you. One way we can do that is if you would fill out a Connect card. It looks like this. If you pull this out from the seat right in front of you, this will let us know how we can be praying for you, serving you. After service, if you leave through these central doors, you can turn left. You'll see our next steps desk. There you can turn the Connect card in. A happy, smiling face. We'll be happy to answer any questions that you may have and give you a free gift. So welcome guests. We're so glad that you're here. 
And as always, we like to encourage our faithful worship through giving. There's a few ways that you can give if you'd like to. One of those ways is by using this online giving card. If you'll pull it out from the seat in front of you, you can scan that QR code with your phone. That'll take you to our giving page online. If you prefer to give in person, there are black boxes on the back wall here. You can drop a gift in. You can also drop into the office Monday through Thursday, 9 to 4.30 or Friday, 9 to noon. Or you can write to P.O. Box 92, Hebron, Kentucky, 41048. Well, we're going to begin our service this morning with prayer. So I invite you to please pray with me. Good morning, Father. Lord, once again, we praise you. We thank you that we can join in worship today. And this morning, we want to thank you for one of our core values, intentional discipleship. Lord, thank you so much for the gift of discipleship, this process by which we grow more and more to look like your son, Jesus. We ask that you would bless our intentional discipleship as a church family. Lord, please bless our relationships with each other. Allow us to be real with each other. Allow us to open up to confess deep sins to one another. Let us weep and grieve in the arms of a brother or sister. Let us encourage each other to rest in you, our Savior. Lord, please lead us, each other, to love so much, to support each other so much, to encourage each other in our walk with you. And please help us to sharpen each other in our faith, encouraging our love, our discipline, and let us build each other up in our common faith in you. Father, we pray not only for ourselves, but we pray for our dear brothers and sisters in the Richard family, Chris and Rhonda, Hannah and Kenley, this amazing family who's felt your call to leave our local church to uh, foreign missions. Thank you for this family. We pray that you would bless them now as they prepare in Mexico. We thank you for the report we got to hear recently from Pastor Mark and Pastor Colin about how well the Richards are doing. We pray you would encourage them and protect them. Help them, Lord, as they learn the language. We pray you'd bless especially Hannah and Kenley adjusting to a new place and new friends. And we pray that the work that they're doing right now would bear great fruit for your glory and your kingdom. We also pray, Lord, for a number of health concerns in our midst. We thank you that we can bring these to you as our healer. We, we continue to pray for Linda Davis. God, we ask you to bring healing to her. Please be with her family. Please be with Tim Witcher as he continues to recuperate from his surgery at home. Thank you so much for Tim. Lord, we come to you burdened uh, over learning of the news of a child in our Crossroads preschool, three-year-old class, Reese, who's been diagnosed with kidney cancer. Lord, please be with Reese and his family. We pray for healing. We pray in this time that they would draw near to you. And we pray for Danny Gallitz's sister, Shane, who has been battling brain cancer and recently found out that she has rapid new tumor growth. Lord, please bring healing to Shane. Bless her to draw near to you in this time. Please watch over her. Lord, we finally come to you with our greatest need, and that's of a relationship with you. We have all sinned. We've all fallen short of your glory, of your holy standards, of your holiness. And we thank you that despite that, you have loved us and pursued us through the, the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the life that he lived, for the death that he died for sinners like us. And we confess to you now, Lord, many sins that we've committed against you, sins of pride, of lust, of selfishness, and so many more. Lord, please forgive us of these sins. We pray you would wash us clean by the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you that he did not stay dead, but he rose again. And that's our hope. We pray that that same resurrection power would be in us today as we worship you. We praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin our time of corporate praise together, um, reading God's word to each other. So if you would, let's stand together. We're going to read from Psalm 63 together. 
So we're just going to read this as a group. So let's, let's read Psalm 63, 1 through 5 together. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body pants, faints for you. In a land that is dry, desolate, and without water, so I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Let's do that very thing together.
continue to worship together. Let's make this our prayer. Your bride, to you we sing, and the 
utter darkness till you came and rescued me. I was bound by all my sin when your love came and set me free. Now my soul can sing a new song. Now my heart has found a home. Now your grace is always with me, and I'll never be alone. Do you believe that? Amen. You may be seated.
Bibles to John chapter 4 and verse 21. We're going to just read three or four verses there. John chapter 4, verse 21 to 24. It's page 944 in the Pew Bible that's in front of you if you'd like to follow along in the translation that I am preaching from. Uh, we are continuing a series in asking the question, What is next? And it's really the questions that we as individuals must ask, ask for ourselves what is next for us to be faithful Christians what is the next step that we need to take in our personal walk to grow more like Christ and be more faithful to him what is the next step that we need to take to, to fulfill the great commission and for us as a church are we helping as we all take those next steps together well today we're looking we've been kind of looking at our our runways that we've talked about as a church one of our runways to discipleship and uh we we're all out of order so if you wanted to go in order in your ocd a little bit like me then you're like what is going on here why are you out of order well you know it is what it is the lord is sovereign in this and you and uh, we had different plans that God is shaping. But today, we're actually looking at our first runway, which is magnify Christ through weekly worship. And so let's just read verse 21 to 24, and then ask God to bless our time this morning. Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless your word. We know that it is true. We know that it is sufficient. We know that it is to direct us in our life, in our faith, in our practice. And Lord, as we meet with it today, we meet with you. So God, change us, instruct us, rebuke us, and make us more like your son. It's in his name we pray, amen. Mike Cosper, uh, some of he's become kind of risen to fame because of a recent podcast, but he had wrote a book called Rhythms of Grace. And he observed, whoever dubbed the debate over musical style a worship war failed to realize that worship is always war. 
When anyone says that there is a one true God, his name is Jesus, he died and he rose again and he's coming back, that is a declarative statement against every idol and every little G God that is in this culture. When we come and worship God, we know that we are worshiping and ascribing to him every value and worth that he has, that we are to give him the glory and fame and not us. And that when we worship God, we are turning aside from every other thing that we've put in our life to put it all and value him. And so when we gather in worship, then we are, when we pray together, when we sing together, when we engage in the sermon together, when we give together, we are doing so that we might glorify God, that we put him first place, that we say to you, be the fame and the glory and not me, God. And when we worship, there is an act of warfare that is going on. It is an all-out assault on these functioning saviors. When we worship God, we are putting him first. And so when we worship together, we are coming together to put him in his rightful place. So it is no surprise that in our fleshly self, that we pull away from worship, that we disengage in worship, that we make it less than what it should be, and that we make it a self-centered practice. Our flesh reacts against this because we have set up so many different things in our lives that are so primary and so important that when we come to God and worship him rightfully, it challenges all these things. And yet, because of this, we, uh, we make, allow our flesh to do something about this self-centered worship that devalues worship. We make it about us. You hear phrases and you say things, well, I'm going to worship to get filled up. What are you, a car? I've never heard any, you know, what are you, what are you a car that you're supposed to get filled up? You've ran out of gas? Uh, you've heard people say that I, I just, boy, that made me feel good. I'm going because I want to feel good. Well, I, I didn't know that we had the opportunity. This is a church, and we have come to worship God. It is not about our feeling. Thankfully, when we ascribe God worth because we are created for him and in him, that, that something within us connects to God, but it is not about our feelings. Many people say, well, boy, boy, I really enjoyed that today. Like we're in a spectator sport or entertainment. Maybe we should start selling tickets. It's a value they entered. This was wonderful worship today. The choir was awesome. But that's not what worship is. Everything is gauged when we talk about worship and how we want it to go. But when we shift worship away from God and to ourselves, Unfortunately, we start to devalue worship that takes us down a path that sees worship as serving us and not him. And the ultimate end becomes that worship is optional. That worship is something that is only when we feel with, like it, when we only want it our way, the way we like it. And the end result becomes people slowly creeping away from the importance of the gathered worship and we've seen that happen over the last 
decade or two, right, of Christians, when we see that, ulti that ultimately worship is about ourselves, we devalue worship. And then the way that we treat worship, the way that we experience worship, the way that we value worship becomes less and less. We come to worship in a way it affects our attitudes, it affects our participation, it affects our attendance. We, uh, our attitudes or, or the way that we prepare, we come to worship dragging in. We come in half awake. We come in just hoping that we can get through the time. Well, why did that happen? Well, because, well, I stayed up late last night watching streaming and I couldn't say no to the next when it said, what's the next one you want to stop? Well, 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 how did that prepare you for worship today? Why did you not prepare yourself to come into worship so that you could give your all to the Lord? I'll say, well, pastor, this is the, the weekend. I've got to blow off a little steam. I've got to stay up late at night, and I've got to do what I want to do. And, well, how come you say to your kids every day at the week, say, hey, honey, you need to get in bed early because you need to give your all at school tomorrow. This is a school night, right? You have something important. What are you going to do? You're going to give a good night's sleep so that you can give your all to it the next day. Well, how is that more important than giving worship to the Lord? When we worship, it changes how we view the worship. We do a grade report on the songs and the music. Is it something that we want and we like and we value? We treat worship as our own worship jukebox or playlist that we can sing the things that we want to sing that stir up something within us. And you know, it's funny because the worship wars are slowly becoming a thing of the past, but it doesn't matter whether you are someone who are in the only traditional crowd or the only contemporary crowd or somewhere in the middle. Every church, every Christian said, boy, I wish they would have sang that song. You know, that one. You know, that one that would have really been good for me this morning. I really wish that that had been the one. We start to look at worship as something more about our preferences and not what the words of the song say about God. So that we would rather sing a song that makes us feel something that says something right about who God is. We devalue worship when we apathetically or half-heartedly participate. You know, there's some days when some of us aren't singers. But the Bible does tell us to give a joyful noise unto the Lord. And some of us, that's all we can do is give a noise but we can participate when someone's praying we can be engaged and pray along when, some, when we're singing we engage and we pray along but many times we come to worship we're distracted by every other thing under the sun sometimes that happens because two hours before worship our children lay aside every doubt that total depravity is a thing our children wake up and just decide that they are going to be everything uh, that they, we have taught them Monday through Saturday. But today, they are going to just test us to the limits. Or maybe we're going to be frustrated by the, the, 
the traffic or we're going to be frustrated about something. Some of us uh, struggle with ailments or physical things that keep us from, from getting up and some are even watching at home because they couldn't make it here this morning and that happens. But unfortunately, many of us, uh, that just flares up just at the wrong time. And so we say, uh, I don't know, what am I going to do? We have to make that decision of whether we're going to come and worship or not why do you think that is a lot of it's because satan rears his ugly head that morning why because he wants us to not gather he wants us to see worship as optional he wants us to believe that worship is a waste of time so my prayer for you my prayer for us as a church that in 2022 that we ask the question what's next is that we the next thing that happens is when we gather as the saints of Christ that we see that we truly participate biblically with our whole hearts to worship a holy God that we would see worship as vital and necessary but when we're here that we don't come half-hearted but we come fully for God our text today is a familiar text Jesus and the disciples are traveling through Samaria and he w comes upon a woman at the well this Samaritan woman this conversation happens when Jesus asked the woman for a drink she couldn't believe that this Jew would ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water and in verse 10 he says Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who was saying this to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. She didn't understand. She didn't know what he was saying. But she knew that whatever he was offering, she said, give me a drink. Jesus says, whoever drinks from this water will give me thirsty again, but whoever drinks from this water, I will give him uh, I will give it to them. They will never thirst again. In fact, the water I will give them will come from the well of water springing up from eternal life. She doesn't quite understand, but she knows whatever he is offering has got an answer that she is longing for. Jesus then turns the conversation to her life when he says, hey, go call your husband and come back here. To where she responds, I don't have a husband, she answered. To which he says, you have said correctly, I don't have a husband for what you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. And in this context, that Jesus makes the most definitive statement about worship in the Bible. That this is a final word about worship. That these worship, these words are just as important to her in the first century as it is today. That real worship is about a relationship with God and not about us. In verses 21 through 24, Jesus explains what real worship is and what worship is not. So if you're taking notes, number one, worship is not about you. Worship is not about you. If you need to underline the not, you can. In verse 21 through 22, Jesus declares this, that believe me, woman, there is an hour coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. 
You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. So the Samaritans had only received and will only receive the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Old Testament. They reject the prophets, the Psalms, the writings, and they, they reject those. And so they do not have a fully fledged view of the Messiah. And they believe the Messiah would come in a way that would be like a prophet like Moses. So when this woman says, I perceive that you're a prophet, she was making an initial statement of faith. Now, it was needed to grow a lot, needed to be fertilized a whole lot, but she understood what Jesus had said about her, her relationship as something, as a foretelling, but now she knew, was intrigued about the living water statement that he had said that a prophet not just foretells, but has insight to God and his word. So she is clarifying, what are we to do? Your fa our fathers worshipped on the mountain, but you say that it is in Jerusalem that the place where people are to worship. Now, she is speaking to an age-old division of that. The Samaritans say that they are to worship in Mount Gerizim, and the Jews said no true worship happens in Jerusalem. Many commentators read this statement as a radical tactical diversion that, that the woman was noticing that this conversation was getting a little too close for comfort and so let's just let's dive into a theological debate. But I actually believe it's further than that. I believe this woman was genuinely convicted by the words of Jesus and that she wanted to know to get right with God how and where was she supposed to do it on this mountain over here or on this mountain over here. And Jesus answers her that in these words, woman, believe me, this hour is coming when neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem will we worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know. These words of Jesus make it clear that worship, real worship, is not about you. See, she was confused about a place when she should have been asking about the whom. She was confused about tradition and argument. And he was talking about, look, the Savior, the Messiah is here. In many ways, we need to stop worrying about the form of worship, and we need to start wor worrying about who the worship is for. In times in which we live, there is epidemic confusion about worship. Worship is not about tradition. It's not about preference. It's not about us. It's about the living God. Imagine celebrating your child's birthday and that you go to the party and afterwards you and your wife or you and your spouse are breaking down how the party went. And you say, well, how did you think it went? And you say, well, I don't know. It was okay. I didn't really get anything out of it. Yeah, you know, it didn't impact me much. Nobody brought me any gifts. I didn't get fed very well. Boy, we sang the happy birthday song. It was a cappella. I kind of would have preferred we'd done a guitar. Imagine if you had that conversation about your child's birthday party. We are confused about who that party was for. In the same way... We look at the worship that we gather in his name. We think it's about us when it's all about him. 
We say these things about worship all the time because we make it primarily about us. Bob Coughlin, who wrote a book that I know Mark led our worship team in leading, uh, reading a long time ago, he, he, he says this. This is sort of my variations of it, but he says, Worship is our humble, constant, appropriate, glad response to God's self-revelation and his enabling invitation. Apart from this perspective, leading and preference-driven worship can become self-motivated and self-exalting. We subtly take pride in our worship, our singing, our playing, our planning, our performance, our preferences. Ultimately, we separate ourselves from the God who drew us to worship Him in the first place. And that's why biblical worship is God-focused, God is clearly seen, God-centered, God is clearly the priority, and God-exalting, God is clearly honored. You see, the things that we like about worship is more about us, and when it is, we are no longer worshiping God, we are worshiping ourselves. You know, we know that it is vital nature of the worship together as believers. It is normative, biblical Christianity to gather in, purpose, in person and worship together with God. God has ordained it. And let us be clear that though we get a benefit, a horizontal benefit from being with one another, by hearing the gospel proclaimed over one another, by seeing how one another is changed by God, by being encouraged and, and, and helped together in our worship, it is always worship about God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 through 20 says, Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with our heart to the Lord, with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these verses tell us and remind us that it is our normative practice to gather together that we would sing and pray and worship and sing together and encourage one another as we worship but how do we do it with our heart to the lord not to ourselves doing what giving thanks always to everything to god the father through the lord jesus christ in this passage we speak to one another but it's always as a vertical Focus to the Lord. Therefore, worship is never about us. So therefore, it must challenge us when we start to look at worship as a preference-driven thing. Oh, that prayer's too long, or that sermon's too long, or that music is not the way I like it, or that's not the version that I like, Let's just take that for a minute, because that's always the thing that everybody talks about, right? When worship is about us, we look to see what we value in a song and not what it says about God. If you are saved by grace, that you had nothing to do with your salvation, that if God himself died on the cross, that he gave you the opportunity by the Spirit of God to be saved, that when the song speaks about God, declares God, is biblically true, and, and declares 
prays to his son, you best be singing along because it is speaking truth to who he is. And if you are a Christian, you can agree with the words, you better sing along because we are called, commanded, and ascribed to worship God and give him glory. We need to be cautious that we would choose a song to sing whether we like it or not because it's not about me. It's about what it says about God. But I also want us to be cautious because let us not overlook what Jesus says when he says, you don't, you don't know, but we know because salvation comes from the Jews. He wasn't saying the Jews had the corner market on worship. It was just the Samaritans denied m- most of the Old Testament and didn't know God fully in who he was. They didn't understand the Messiah. They didn't understand the Messiah was to come to give himself. They rejected Isaiah. Isaiah who talked about the suffering servant who was to come. They had no understanding or grid to even understand that Jesus had come to die for him. So maybe let us just think about the reason that we don't worship God rightly is because maybe we don't know God maybe you've struggled in worship maybe you don't understand the reasoning well brother and sister if you've never trusted in Christ it would never tune to your heart why we would gather for an hour and sing praises to God brother and sister if you've come here today struggling maybe you need to trust in the one the God who came to die for your sins who took your place who did something that you could not do. He took the punishment for your sins so that you might be restored to worship to him eternally. So trust in this Christ today. Trust in him. And today your heart can be changed, that your heart would be changed from a heart of stone to one of a heart of flesh that desires and burns for God. Maybe today you've come aware that you, you maybe have followed or, or thought you have followed God or sat in the church pew for decades, but you've never really truly known God. It would be, it would be a disaster for you to be caught up in tradition, caught up in works, caught up in, your, in, in how you live to think that that is the way to be a good Christian is the way to be saved. Brother and sister, the only gospel is saved that saves is one that comes in faith alone, in Christ alone. You can't earn it. You can't gain salvation from your family being in worship for how many years. You can't earn salvation by you being in worship for how many years. You need to trust and believe on Christ. And maybe together, brother or sister, maybe you know God fully, but you've been guilty and you've become convicted that you make worship about you. I encourage you, repent today. Don't allow yourself to make worship to be about you. If you have received Christ, you know that he deserves all our praise. And we should not have a vision of worship 
being about us. So instead about you, number two, worship is all about God. Jesus responds and says further in verse 23, the hour is coming and now here when the true worshipers, so the hour is coming, what is that? That Jesus has come, he's incarnate in the world, he is about to die for our sins, that true worshipers will worship who? The Father in spirit and truth. True worshipers worship the Father. We know that God, about the character of God, that we should worship Him. It goes on to the beginning of verse 24. Yes, the Father wants such people. God is spirit. Jesus is ascribing to the character of God our worship. God is a jealous God. God is jealous for his fame and for his glory alone. But he is sufficient. He does not need us. He is not relying on us. Instead, though, he has created us lovingly that we might be in relationship with us, that, he, that we would desire to glorify him because he is worthy of praise. He does not want us looking at other gods or loving other things we he wants us to worship him that the reality is he is spirit therefore we must we must worship him in spirit therefore if we are created to worship god brothers and sisters we need to make worship all about god d.a carson says about worship worship is the proper response of all moral sentient beings to God, ascribing all honor and worth to their creator God precisely because he is worthy, delightfully so. We understand the focus of our worship is God because he is the almighty creator, sovereign God, good, and because of all of these things, he deserves our praise. Psalm 115, 1 through 3 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give the glory because of your faithful love, because of your truth. Why should the nations say, Where is their God? Our God is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. Therefore, our worship must be guided with this truth that it is God who deserves this praise, that he is our focus. So when we come to worship, we are relating to him. When someone is praying, we are praying to him. When we are singing, we are singing to him. When there are people up here singing, they are singing to him so that we may join in singing to him. This is not about us. So therefore, our participation should be deserving of what God deserves. That when we come, we, we bring his, our best to him because he deserves it. That we focus on him rightly. That we participate fully because he deserves all the praise. Can I challenge you when you come to worship to think that I am, to say, I am coming to give God all the glory and all the praise he deserves. That every fiber and fabric of your being is focused on God. Therefore, when you participate in worship, 
that you do so in a way that is worthy of a king, that it is your all. I'm just going to give you something that helps me. I'm not doing this legalistically. You don't have to do what I do. But one thing that helps me when I worship God fully is I respond in worship. I engage. Because if, I'm, if I am worshiping God alone, I know I am engaging with God. I am participating with God. I'm not just allowing Mark and the leaders to do it for me. I'm not allowing Alan to pray for me. I am engaging in a way that I participate with them. So when Alan's praying, I'm agreeing with him. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Praise be to God. I am engaging with him because I am praying with Alan. I'm praying together with my brothers and sisters in, in Christ. I am worshiping with him. You might notice that, that I raised my hands. Some people are comfortable in that. Some others aren't. That's not the only way to worship rightly, but it is a way to worship rightly. And to me, it helps me to respond to God because I raise my hands agreeing with God, agreeing my worship to God, focusing on God because I want him to know and my heart to sing what I am reading off the screens, what I'm singing off the screens is not just rote traditional ritual, but it is the cry out of my heart. That so when I sing this song, holy, 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 that there's this line that I say, only thou art holy, and there is none beside thee, perfect in power and love and purity. I am raising my hands because I know, God, you are that. And that I agree with that. Or when we sing in Christ alone, there is, there's the, the verse, there in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, and then, oh man, this is when I gets me. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. Man, if my only hope is a risen king, I shout it. Because he's not dead, he's alive. And then he stands in victory, his curse is, uh, has lost, lost his grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. I can sing that because he is mine. Now again, I'm not saying that if you don't do it, that you're not spiritual, or if you do, you're more spiritual, that it's a legalistic thing. That just helps me. That just helps me. But whatever helps you to engage in worship fully and rightfully, that you are singing the songs, that you're praying together, that your focus is on God and not others or yourself. As a matter of fact, if you want to do it, to do others to think that you're spiritually, then you're wrong. Because the Bible says we aren't supposed to be doing it for others. And honestly, if you don't like that I raise my hand, I don't care what you think. My worship's not about you. So maybe you need to be thinking how you can engage God 
Maybe it's thinking about the words more. Maybe it's praying alone. Maybe you need to start by preparing your heart for worship. Pray on your way to worship. God, may I come with an undistracted heart to give you all that you deserve. Maybe the kids are shouting in the car and there's things flying across the... Just stop for a second. Ask the Lord, God, may I give all my heart to you today. So if you focus on him, then how do we participate? The true worshiper, number three, the true worshiper worships in spirit and truth. Verse 24 God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Some translations read in spirit and in truth, but in original, one preposition governs both of those words. It is organically linked together. You can't just worship in spirit or in truth. It is worship in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit is necessary because it only accords with God's spiritual nature. God is spirit. True worship occurs only when that part of man, his spirit, which is close to the divine nature of God, actually meets with God and finds himself praising God for who he is, for his wisdom, his beauty, his truth, his holiness, compassion, his mercy, his grace, and all his other attributes. It's important that we, in our spirit, worship God and that we delight in him, that we praise in him. And that happens because we know we're genuinely converted we have been changed by God. Now, this is not the spirit. This is in our spirit that we worship God fully. But we also worship in truth. And that means that we worship God rightfully. That we worship God as described in the Bible that we allow the Bible to be the guardrails for what we know and what we think about God, how we worship, what we worship, and that we are worshiping rightly about Christ. And brothers and sisters, this is our, my prayer for you. This is my prayer for our congregation, that we would worship in spirit and in truth that we would both worship him, delighting in our spirit who God is, but that we would be worshiping in truth fully and the right understanding of who he is. Brothers and sisters, it's in this way that we worship rightly. And I would pray that we would all come to the place where we worship God with both our heart and our head. That we pray that worship would be marked with deep theology, but also high praise. Probably one of my favorite preachers in the world right now, H.B. Charles, observed this of this text. He says, in spirit means we must worship God based on a personal experience with him. In truth means we must trust, we must worship God based on an objective revelation of him. In spirit means that we must feel something to when we worship. In truth means we must know something when we worship. In spirit means that we must 
Worship with our hearts in truth means that we must worship with our heads. In spirit means that we must worship with our emotion. In truth means we must worship with our intellects. In spirit means that our worship must have heat. In truth means that our worship must have light. In spirit means that our worship must not be empty ritual. And truth means that our worship must not be empty speculation. In spirit means God is not honored by dead orthodoxy. And truth means that God is not honored by passionate ignorance. Brothers and sisters, God is seeking worshipers through the Lord Jesus Christ to come and worship in spirit and truth. Those who come, those come to find their chief delight in Him, that they come to know and gather with other saints to ascribe Him about every character of His being and how great He is, and to how give thanksgiving that He has made Himself known and He has also come to save us. It would be tragic that you would be stuck in a worship that is about you and not about God. So what's next for you? Well, maybe your first next step is to make worship not about yourself, to change your attitude, to change your participation, that you would worship in a way that brings glory to the Almighty God, and that you would not mail it in, but you would be, and not be a spectator, but you would actively worship the King of Kings and Almighty God. Maybe your response today would be that you would trust Christ. I will be at the next steps desk. The pastors will be around. If you need to trust Christ so that you can worship him rightfully, well, brothers and sisters, I hope that you would see this morning that Christ came to die for you, that he came to claim true worshipers, worshipers for himself, that one day in paradise we will worship God forever and ever and you if you trust in Christ by faith today can join the choir of the redeemed but in this response we have this wonderful privilege for the next few minutes to respond in worship as the praise team and the praise band comes up now we are going to put this command and faith to action that we are calling as a response to praise God rightfully, truthfully, in spirit and in truth, that you would worship God with the right attitude of one with one of redeemed, and that we would worship him together as those who bring praise to an almighty God. Would you worship that God today together? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word, the challenge that we have received. Now, God, as we come to worship you, may we do so in spirit and in truth. We have been gifted by the blood of Christ. We will have been redeemed. Now we come to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Part of the reason in John 4, the woman makes reference to those two mountains, or between the woman and Jesus that make reference to those two mountains, is because it reminded them of a moment where God showed up. Every time they looked up at the mountain, they would remind, be reminded that God was there once, and we saw him. Well, as a people of God, we look to the cross lifted up, and we see our Savior, and we were reminded where God showed up 
Would you stand, and with that vision in our mind, let's sing this together, Behold Our God.
throne, come let us adore Him. Behold, I King, nothing can compare, come let us adore from 
time together proclaiming our hope in Christ. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls do our days within his hand what comes apart from his command and what will keep us to the end the love of Christ in which we stand oh sing hallelujah our hope springs eternal 
church family. A few announcements for you. So the WMU Women on Mission, they are meeting today at um, 4 p.m. downstairs in room 103. So I uh, hope our ladies come out for that. Also, we have a uh, family skate night uh, on Monday at the Independence Skateway from 6.30 to 9. The rentals are free, but it's $4 for admission. And we say family skate night, but we're a church family, so anyone and everyone who wants to come out, we would love to see you there. 
It's, um, it's a Christian music theme skate night, so it'll be a good time. And then lastly, I hope you notice um, the Lawless uh, conference got canceled. It was supposed to be this weekend. He was going to speak to us Friday night, Saturday morning. He was going to preach this morning, but with the, with the weather that came on, we decided to cancel it. He is coming back a month from now, so it was going to be February 4th through 6th. It's now March 4th through 6th. We have new calendars for you, adjusted calendars in your bulletin, so make sure to replace your old calendar with that one, and we hope to see you there in a month. Church, thank you. Um, you know, Colossians it tells us in chapter 3 that we are to teach and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms. Our worship is not just from us to God, it is from us to God and to each other. You guys do so much for me, um, just hearing your voices in corporate worship. So thank you for worshiping. Hope you guys have a great day. Go in grace. You're dismissed.
still why 